Welcome to the Music Book Club, brought to you by Automatic Panic. In each episode, we choose an album, listen to it, and talk about it. I'm Andy Payne, with me is Azim Khan. Hello. And our guests today are the delightful Christiana Becheva. Hi, everyone. And the majestic Marcel Contreras. Hello, hello. How is everyone doing? Yeah, good, thank you. Uh, just recovering from a 20-kilometer walk from yesterday. <laughs> Unexpected, but delightful. That's acc- we accidentally went on the south side of the river, and that was always an issue. I'm down oh. south, mate. Yeah. <laughs> You're the problem. <laughs> the wrong side of the river. <laughs> uh, how are you doing? Yeah, yeah, good. Thanks. Um, just trying to keep busy like everyone else, I guess. But yeah, not bad. Thank you. Excellent. Azin? Yeah, I'm well too. Um, given that we're recording all of these in lockdown, not much has changed since last time, so <laughs> yeah, at least the clocks have gone forward, I guess. So that's a uh, that's the one bit of news that's kind of yeah, nice we lost an hour of sleep and that's lost about an hour it, of sleep, yeah. but we get those nice light evenings. So yeah. Uh, so today we are discussing Guns N' Roses' 1987 debut album, Appetite for Destruction. Uh, if you haven't listened to it already, press pause now and go and do so. All right, then. I think everyone has listened. Uh, How's your appetite? Destructive. I mean, this album, (laughs) I think I read somewhere, I think it was a Rolling Stone article or something like this, that said something like, Appetite for Destruction killed rock and roll. Because it's just like, once (laughs) once it's out there... And you're in a rock band, and you and you want to do the same kind of thing. It's like, what do you do? Like, they've done it. It's got. It's done. Like, what, what? It's, it's almost yeah, it's like over. A, yeah, exactly. So this this is a really seminal album. It's uh, it's insane. How I mean, I think now it gets mixed up in all that kind of '80s hair metal stuff in the average person's perception, perhaps. But it's really kind of different. It has a has more of a punk aesthetic to it, um, and it kind of shakes things up a bit. It's awesome. Yeah, I mean, uh, as you say, um, it kind of killed rock and roll. That's pretty much what it did for me uh, when it came out. Because yeah. um, every time I listened to another rock band, I thought, this is what they're meant to sound like. And no one comes clear, not even close to it. So, um, yeah, for many years, uh, it did kill other bands for me. Yeah. <laughs> Which I might be into now, but yeah, at the time, it was just Guns N' Roses. And even, <laughs> so. even, you know, we can talk about it later, but even the sort of, what the what Guns N' Roses did afterward, kind of, they went off in a different direction. They they struggled, but they struggled to capture that lightning in a bottle. I think again, and maybe maybe their pretensions went haywire or whatever. And I can see Christiana is looking at like mm, I don't know about that, but um, so this is obviously personal. But uh, <laughs> go on. <laughs> I mean, I would disagree, but I also would agree with you. Kind of um, when I discovered Guns N' Roses, that was it. That's it. That's I did not listen to anything else for a good few years. <laughs> it was just Guns N' Roses. Um, it's tr- interesting what you say about how uh, maybe they went into different directions and so on and so forth. But I think all of their albums are incredible, um, and uh, they gave a lot to um, the '90s, which was yeah great. And I'm glad that it didn't go to the way that a lot of um, other bands went into like grunge or it was almost like grunge was a reaction in a way to bands like Guns mm. N' Roses right um so almost mm. by definition they couldn't be grunge <laughs> yes um, yeah you know, so there's big uh, yeah, production there's big kind of pretensions I guess mm. is, is probably the best way to put it and um it's just not grunge at all <laughs> you look at Nirvana and they're just <laughs> complete opposites the quality of the musicianship and the the songwriting that's really apparent on this shows that 
actually they're not as pretentious as a lot of people would yeah, yeah, want yeah. to give them credit for because it's the the music is the and the and the lyrical quality is the the first I, I, and foremost I don't most important thing user illusion or anything like that they're bad they're not they're great but it's just like i i just consider appetite to be just such a level higher mm. as just a, like a moment in time that for me i find it hard for anything else just to compete even other stuff by Guns N' Roses. <laughs> the, the, band are, the band are working really well together in Appetite mm. for Destruction, aren't they? Yeah. That kind of lightning in a mm. bottle, like everyone's yeah. on the right tracks, which... And it's, it's, it's amazing that that happened, um, because if you read about how it was made, it's just mayhem. <laughs> you know, they're yeah. strung out it's, on stuff. It's, it's a miracle they actually got it done, really. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> yeah, different times, I guess. Yeah, yeah. The, the real kind of heyday. Um, and you know, I, I read I read that the the budget for this album was something like four hundred thousand dollars, which is insane um, by today's standards. Maybe back then it was a bit more common for big label stuff. But I just do wonder how much of that went up their noses. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, according to their reports, most of it. So uh, <laughs> they um, they really didn't. Uh, use much of it on the actual recording apparently <laughs> but uh, them playing the fields you know with the record labels and all that um, kind of gave them the time to actually go into the studio and do it I think so. <laughs> but um, between binges I guess uh, they got it done but I do agree in that um, for me that album Guns N' Roses album is their best and is uh, I was the rawest. It's them, you know, showing how a group of musicians can actually get together and just click. Um, as they put it, from their first jam together, they just felt like this was it. This was the band. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, they just, uh, I, I guess, expectations later on, bigger budgets, uh, egos got in the way. Um, so I kind of affect, and, and, you, you don't get that raw feel on the other albums. Yeah. And the personnel oh. changed as well. Um, Steve Adler and oh. Izzy Stradlin eventually that, left the band. That, right. Yeah. And I think without um, Izzy, without either of them really, it's not the same. And as well, Izzy, you know, wrote a lot of the songs. Exactly, um, exactly. People seem to um, think that probably Slash, just because he's the more known guitarist, I guess, wrote mm -hmm. all the songs, but... Uh, um, as most Guns Guns N' Roses fans will know, is he that was a big, oh, big part in the in yeah. the writing so, process. So once he was gone, it, after I think one of the Use, Use Your Illusion tours, they, I think they lost that that extra element that he brought, um, which I think yeah. is yeah, central yeah, to, their, to their sound. Yeah, and also the interaction between him and Slash. If yeah. we're just talking guitars, um, the interaction on especially on Appetite. Um, mm. you can actually feel that these guys were living together and living the music and all the rest that came with their music you know all the partying and all that uh, you can pretty much feel it on the album and um, I just love the way the two guitars Z and Slash because um, if you listen to it to listen to them they're not always playing the same thing you know Slash might be jamming on what Izzy's doing or the opposite way around. Yeah. yeah. But it feels as one solid unit, you know? It's like it's meant to be that way. Yeah, they're very complementary, even in their sort of 
on stage persona slash was be a bit more hyperactive and run around is he seems more reserved i'm sure that can as an actual person i'm sure he's as nuts as the rest of them but it's just uh it, it's a nice foil i guess yeah. You have to yeah. mention uh, Duff in there as well. Well, I was going to because I was, the, I was gonna, the like, bass lines mm. on this are so uh, they they it's a real three part kind of melody harmony thing going oh, on yeah. with the guitar and the bass. So I had There's, a whole uh, spiel lined up for Duff. So <laughs> I don't want to get into it just yet. It, it just reminds me because I was thinking about it and it's something that Donny said about um, uh, what's his name uh, Nick Dolivero. Nick Dolivero on. Um, on uh, songs for the deaf is that he's the low key MVP, and I I, I do no, think I that, said that. Oh, you said that? I thought I thought Danny yeah. said that. Sorry, <laughs> this is Cre- I'm, credit. I'm in- credit's due. Come on, <laughs> I'm turning into a bass guitar appreciation. Uh, okay, fair club. enough. That's going to be my next podcast. Okay. So. <laughs> something that Andy said when we talked about songs for the deaf. Insert edit here. Um, <laughs> he was the low key MVP of the of the album, and I think I think the d- same thing about Duff here is just that he ties the whole thing together. He he does exactly exactly what a bassist is supposed to mm. um he's awesome. that's very true yeah, yeah yeah and of course you also bring that that uh punk element to um mm. to the whole band yeah, yeah. um i think he's the coolest of all of them as well he yeah. is the coolest of everybody he still is <laughs> like, he's so cool he yeah <laughs> yes yeah, especially oh. now yeah yeah especially now he's he's taking the mantle from bowie isn't he? he's very much got that like you know the tall thin like yeah. beautiful slightly androgynous like doesn't care what you think because mm-hmm. he knows yeah. that he is comfortable in himself <laughs> so we've been watching a lot of rupaul so i'm also <laughs> like channeling that. <laughs> the adjectives are coming from there <laughs> But he, yeah, exactly. He's he's in a way the centerpiece of the entire band because he ties together the guitars and Steve Adler on drums. And and they used to I hear while while the other guys might be all strung out, he and Adler used to go and just jam together and play like funk licks and stuff like that from Prince and so on and things that they were into. And it kind of helps them gel, mm. I guess, that they just play together so often because they're tight. You know, and as all mm. the best rhythm sections will be. Or you have the, you have, have the, we've, the, we've got the extra special vinyl. Extra ah. special. Mm. Do you have the original cover in there somewhere? Yep. Oh yeah. Yeah. All right. It wasn't allowed <laughs> back in <Yes>. the day. <laughs> the, the, the robot saving the, the woman. Yeah. Cause Appetite had been out for like a year, right? Before it sort of hit number one. Mm. Yeah. 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 I think, was it, was it Sweet Child of Mine that hits it? I think it was the third single from the album that yeah they started off with it's so easy but that didn't really catch on and i think afterwards uh they released sweet child of mine and this was it this was their um hit and everybody started listening to them um and it's really funny i read um so in preparation for this podcast um i read a little bit more about uh um about the album and and slash has always said that he hates this song (laughs) He hates Switch Out All Right. <laughs> and he really hates yeah. playing it. Uh, but it is there, the single that made them. Brilliant. I think I read recently that uh, that he, he did hate the song for many, many years. But now he kind of accepts it. <laughs> mm. After so because many years, so, I'm glad. I think, I think when he sees the royalty checks, he, it becomes yeah. easier, to, yeah. easier to accept, right? right. <laughs> That'll do, yeah. <laughs> it's all right. But yeah, because I think he came up... Um, with the main riff, he just came up with it as like a practice riff, you know, and he always felt it was a silly little thing he came up with. And then, 
someone in the room said wait a sec what's that you know and yeah. they built on it and it became this huge song yeah. but um it is the ballad isn't it on yeah. appetite for yeah. destruction there's a different feel to it than the other 11 tracks which are they have more of that high like hard rock punky mm. energy that yeah you were talking about yeah yeah that's true it's it's more uh let's say commercially commercial how do you say it? Commercially, commercially viable that's the one yes <laughs> Because um, I was thinking also, because um, it's strictly, I guess, Rocket Queen as well. It's kind of like a mm. ballady side to it. It's, the second half, yeah. After it's, the, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> after so the it, it controversial kind of, recordings. Like, this is what I'm saying. Yeah. Mayhem, right? Like, it, at some point, they're miking up people having sex with each other. And it's not even, and yeah. it was like Axel and Steve Adler's girlfriend who wanted to get revenge on him for cheating himself you know, like, what's going on <laughs> this is just insane <laughs> this is what i mean this this crazy crazy it's like they just wanted axel had the idea to have these um sounds on their recording hmm. and they were ready to record some girl just do the sounds and it's like nah, -uh. now we're doing it we're doing it, it here the and, real I think, thing. <laughs> and i think she was there and it just happens yeah, kind of yeah. thing, you know, and uh, <laughs> Stephen Adler just kind of accepted it later. I'm not sure how that yeah, went. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how that went down, but uh, it can't yeah. be good. So this is what I'm saying. It's just, <laughs> it's just insanity. <laughs> it's, and it's so funny how they use that. But the song is a, um, a lot about friendship, actually. It's yeah. about um, another woman. So, okay, the way... The way I look at the album now, I think this is a compilation of love songs. It's a compilation of love songs about love about um, alcohol, drugs, rock and roll, that sort of lifestyle. And um, yeah, the, the second half of the album is women. It's all about yeah. women who took well, care it, of them. The two sides are guns and roses, right? So the, there's the guns side, which is the first side, which is all about the hard living rock and roll. And then the roses side is all the, all the emotional yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, so yes, yeah, so a Rocket Queen was about a woman that um, was just there for Axel when um, he needed her for more of a friendship sort of way. Mm. So that's why the end, you know, he says how he'll be there for her and so on and so forth. But yeah, the interesting choice that extra bit in the middle <laughs> was chosen for this song. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. a nice close. I mean, the second half of it, it's it, like obviously turns on a dime, doesn't it? This song, oh yeah, um, and becomes this sort of ballady type thing. But it's it's a nice closer to the album because it's kind of full on the whole way, mm. and then mm. it sort of lets like you, references lets you, the energy of the album, and then yeah. brings you down that little bit at the end. Yeah, and lets you go. Mm. That's it. The uh, it's it's interesting how uh, you're saying, Christiana, about the the themes of the album because "Welcome to the Jungle" is the one that is different to that mm. but th is that that is the kind of scene setter that mm. allows all of this love of alcohol and girls and uh stuff to happen mm. in la in the jungle as it were welcome to the jungle is a fantastic opener right like you can imagine the <sighs> you've mm. never really heard of them you think they're somebody's told you a big deal you stick the album on and you hear their da -na 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 -na, the little like it's a bit of a uh, it's a bit eddie van halen just, no that yeah like the the just, the, the cool it just draws noises, you in immediately, like, and then there's that yes. that like weird siren wailing noise, which is just Axl Rose. So one thing that <laughs> yeah, exactly. we can we can talk about, I guess, is just that <laughs> Axl's voice is just a, is just an insane instrument on its own. Like um, the noises that he can make, the range he has, mm -hmm. the the different kind of 
emotional intensity and pitch that he can get out of it depending on what he wants. So if you think of something like, it's so easy, it's like in a baritone register, right? Like, it's so easy. And you could hear it and you go, is that Guns N' Roses? If you, you know, mm. cause is that the same singer? Exactly. <laughs> yes. Yeah, he's just finished off Welcome to the Jungle in this like, wow, yeah. kind of such a power. I don't know, I don't know, is it falsetto if it's that powerful? I don't think he's singing <laughs> falsetto. I, I don't think, think he's- full yeah. head voice. And he's just able mm. to, yeah. has this His like razor thin kind of yeah. gravelly, growly thing it's just amazing like he's um there's some singers who just have their own sound and there's nobody Mm. who can sound like them you know like Mm. a lot of those kind of fact there's a lot of people you know hate the way axel sounds but but you you don't have guns and roses (laughs) do you so and um but yeah his range is is awesome um from low to high to screeching to singing in fact um I think the local fans from LA, um, you know, when when they first came out, obviously later they said Guns N' Roses sold out because they're playing stadiums and all that, and they're not doing what they used to do. You know, that happens to every band, I guess, once they mm. become huge. But um, but yeah, going you know from Welcome to the Jungle and then singing Sweet Child of Mine. Two mm. completely different kind of vocal um, um, performances, right there, you know. So, but uh, but yeah, um, I was listening to it the other day, and just like you, Andy mentioned, you know, he finishes "Welcome to the Jungle" with this <laughs> really high screeching and craziness, you know, "Welcome to the Jungle," and then next song comes in, and he's like three octaves lower, <laughs> you know, mm. <laughs> and kind of almost like I said, he's, he does sound like another singer mm. you know mm. yeah, yeah totally sort of towards, towards the end of it's so easy right that he sort of starts jumping up again um, yeah yeah go, oh yeah just the same guy <laughs> yeah, just to remind you that you can't do what he does yeah don't even try no. <laughs> but it's yeah and uh like the, that wailing siren noise i never really knew what it was until i read about it the other day and it's just someone just it just uh, it just said yeah, yeah. Axel, that's axel just doing this like kind of sound and it's yeah. this weird wailing kind of growly and you just go wow yeah. okay <laughs> i was in fact i was trying to think you know um how long you know you just said you've read something about it you know um but i was trying to think how long it took me to realize that that was actually you see, i never realized him. that's the thing <laughs> i just I, I just assumed mm, it was like i, I don't know it's um, yeah yeah but um i had to be told I, it's one of those really one of the great album you know openers yeah. and mm. when when you think about it like Azim you just said it's, it was one note that began the whole mm. riff one note with a bit of a delay and then <laughs> everything just just kicks in yeah. and like you say yes you just have to hear those notes and you know exactly what's coming up yeah I made this uh the observation about appetite that there's, it kind of tails off just at the end, the last three songs, or two songs before that. You, it's not it tails off. It's more that they are more of the time, you know, that hair metal mm. glam rock kind of time. And then, it, but like we said, the first half is so groundbreaking that mm. this is more a nod back to, to that. I think I know what you mean, because like part of me is struggling to f- f- remember what the last three songs are. So I know it feels closer with the Rocket Queen, obviously. Um, um but, so uh, are you talking crazy. about yeah and then anything goes uh, yeah. anything goes is the one i always forget about 
Um, I quite like your crazy. So when I was getting into Guns N' Roses, I didn't have appetite for destruction. I just had like some songs recorded from somewhere, ended up on a little tape that I listened in on my Walkman. <laughs> mixtapes. <you know>. <laughs> Absolutely. It was a mixtape of some songs. I don't even know those whether are the it was days. some special I, 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 compilation. I, I, yeah. I used to have one of those as well when I was a little, I was like six maybe. And I yeah. had, we used to live in Pakistan then, and I distinctly remember it had Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go, which oh, as a six-year-old, I absolutely adored. And I had no idea who it was by. Like, I tried to find out, and like somebody must have told me. I never remembered. Like, oh, but that's I, so I distinctly remember like bopping along to this song, Wake Me Up Before like, As a six-year-old, it was great. So You're Crazy, actually, the version of You're Crazy that I had on my tape was um, actually the original one, which is a very slow acoustic ballad, which is then featured in the in the Lies album. Um, so I kept listening to the Appetite for Destruction version, and, and I'm just thinking, I know this song, but there's just something doesn't feel right about it. There's just something different. And then I discovered that it's actually a completely different version sped up 20 <laughs> times made into this like hard rock <laughs> version yeah. and actually i knew the other the acoustic version which i also think is beautiful i don't think i've it's ever great. heard the other version um, i know it exists um but i don't think i've ever come across it they they featured it in lies yeah afterwards so yeah but i, th I think i agree with andy that the guns side is probably their stronger suit Mm. Yeah, I'll I'll be there on that one as yeah. well. Those are probably my favorite songs in yeah. the first half of the album. Yeah, but I mean it's a strong album all the yeah, way. I mean, it's, you know? oh yeah, yeah, it's this is nitpicking. It, with, with, yeah, de degrees of awesomeness. Like, <laughs> yeah. 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 Sure. yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that's what I love about this album. I think the two, I guess, sides of the album, um, they sound so different, but they work well together and. Uh, that's why, for me, it's a perfect album. Mm, it's a really strong list of songs when you you kind of look down them and go, oh yeah, any one of those yeah. it just blows the their contemporaries out of the water at the time, which explains why it's <laughs> it was such a, a groundbreaking album. Just to add back to what we were saying about it kind of killing rock and roll, mm. um, obviously there was grunge that came out uh, after that, which was a similar kind of reaction to how punk came out of the very classic rock mm. um, thing. Uh, and then uh, bands like, you know, Aerosmith uh, went and did rap collaborations with Run DMC and stuff. Um, and uh, Pantera were actually a contemporary, right? They were a hair metal band. But mm. then after Appetite for Destruction, they then totally, totally changed what they did and reinvented heavy metal. Uh, properly in the 90s but there's Guns N' Roses were the only band of note of that type through the 90s because of how well they captured it in the late 80s and just carried that forward all of their contemporaries just they kind of fell off the radar I think eventually yeah I mean mm. um, I think another one might be someone like Motley Crue are the kind of things that is coming <laughs> along but then that's what I'm saying is that you, I think somebody who might not pay as much attention would easily just lump them together yeah and it's just it's just wrong <laughs> you know it's, 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 no yeah it's just a whole different, no. it's just a whole different thing um and and that's it sort of but but my point is is that guns N' roses distilled what might be good about that and part of their image perhaps and so on but then infused it with the like quite sort of dark blues riffs and it's kind of punk attitude and then you have 
you have a lot of different influences sort of melding into this this uh, great unit, I guess. My favorite bit uh, in um, the Paradise City video <sighs> is, so they have the big opening and it has like, it's like a country, like, I, I often think that a lot of slashes stuff um, or a lot of, by extension, a lot of Guns N' Roses stuff, it's almost country, like under the hood. Mm. And then it just sort of, they just sort of dial it up. So obviously the beginning of Paradise City has that kind of feel. And even in that bridge, mm. there's a little lick where he goes, like a lot of what Slash does, it's kind of like, you know, under underlying country. But so they have that big opening bit, right? And then just as it kicks into the main riff, you can see Axel take off his clearly very expensive sunglasses to start headbanging in that little bit where he takes the sunglasses off. <laughs> oh. <his favorite thing. laughs> it just makes me laugh every time because you can just see him go like, yep, okay, now we go. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Well, yeah, it was um, the Paradise City is for, for the... I feel like it's their most American <laughs> song uh, in a way. Is that kind of they they sing about the Midwest, don't they? They sing about um, how it's you know um, outside of LA, that jungle. There is that paradise city mm, uh, mm. where the grass is greener and girls are pretty. Uh, so yeah, see another love song. I'm telling you, all of these songs, they're love well, songs. I, I was going to say that I kind of agree that they're love songs. They're just not necessarily love songs about people. They might be love songs about no. alcohol oh, yeah. or heroin. Drugs. Or, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. but... Um, yeah. It's like, yeah. Uh, when you, actually, when you mentioned that, because obviously when Appetite came out, you know, I was pretty young. I didn't know about drugs or anything like that. I only learned because people told me, you know, that song's about drugs. So. Mm. I always wondered who Mr. Brownstone was. <laughs> I you think know, who's, who's Mr. Dealer. Brownstone? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, yes, when I, <laughs> I when I looked into the album a bit more closely, um, was also Night Train uh, is uh, the cheap wine that they were buying. It was the mm. name of the cheap wine that they were buying. Yeah. So that song was about a love song about that wine. Um yeah and then yeah i, really I just love, thought they yeah. took a train one night and had a wild night yeah. on a train or you know yeah. they probably did but while but drinking yeah. night train <laughs> as well, yeah, probably, yeah. wine. <laughs> but if i remember right this they, they said this they would get these huge bottle of they they were plastic bottles oh man of of you know it's good then <laughs> yeah you know you know the big coke bottles you get yeah. now yeah, you yeah. Know? Oh, man. And similar to that and it would cost like a dollar or a dollar fifty oh something ridiculous you know so you can Im only imagine what it was <laughs> kind of been too good but yeah but actually talking about night train night train is probably one of my favorite songs on the album well, well we, we do a little and bit we, maybe we can do it now um because yeah you've stolen mine <laughs> I was gonna I've been thinking about it and I was like well I like a lot of them but I think somehow whenever I finish this album I'm always singing Night Train to myself I'm on the night train mm. it's just it's, it just sort of encapsulates what they're about in many ways just I think it's got everything for me you know and um, like Asim I used to well, I still do idolize Slash you know yeah <laughs> so, <it's all> right. <laughs> um, I think I'll listen to do. anything he'll do um, but yeah, he's 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 just kept it real this whole time, you know. Doesn't matter mm -hmm. if he's uh, playing with a smaller band, just jamming, or you know, being a guitar hero on Guitar Hero, you know. <laughs> um, he's just somehow keeps it real. I don't know how he does it, but um, but yeah, on on Night Train, um, 
one of my favorite riffs um you know, opening riff verse riff you know it, it just carries on through the song solos um i just love the whole song about it yeah and, and it, this, it, just the build-up in the solo at the end is is just yeah, one yeah, of those and solo is just insane the way yeah, it's, sort it's of perfect over the top. it's one of yeah, those yeah. that you you wish you had written kind of thing you know <laughs> it's, it's all, um, it's all, i mean for me it's like i wish i could really play it to be honest and do it just <laughs> that's what i was going next you know you, you, you know all the notes but you can't make it sound the same as he makes it sound you know it's, well, anyway that's that's a different story when uh, guitarists have their own personality and yeah. and they're playing but um did you have a favorite oh, song oh gosh yeah. i was dreading this question um <laughs> still dreading it um i would probably say paradise city for me um only because it is it is just that super exciting super motivating and like uh, just song that gets you up and gets you going um that's how i feel about it and um yeah, it's I can always listen to it. That's probably the song that if if it goes on, yes, I will I'll be very very excited to hear <laughs> it. It will always get well, me it, going. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those songs where well, I'm saying that most of the songs on the album, you just hear the first chord or the first note, you immediately yeah. know what it is. Yeah. But then you hear that riff going and then the drums start going and it's oh. again, simple. It's just a beat, isn't That's it? That's it. But you can just feel the song building up, and you you know what's coming. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah. It's a it's a great song, great song. And I think I prefer it over the other, like the first three, for example. You know, Welcome to the Jungle, or It's So Easy, and Night Train, that also make me feel that that way. But because Paradise City is, I think it's the longest of all <laughs> of it's, all it's of those six, three. Six minutes forty so or something. So I get like. to yeah. enjoy it for a longer period of time. <laughs> <laughs> so that's yeah. Well, there's lots of different I, bits in it. Like, it like yeah. slowly ramps up and up and up and up and up and up, doesn't it? It's a real progressive song mm. uh, in that, like, like you were saying, Marcel, you've got the, the, the kind of the beginning, which then builds. It's got half time. It's got um, normal time. And then it also has the double time section at the yeah. end where yeah. everyone's just, ah, it's that very, you know, it's similar to Bohemian Rhapsody mm. and uh, uh, other other real gems of progressive songs, which which have that build up. And then you, you can all rock out properly at the end. Mm. Yeah. Um, it, it's, a, it's a real amazing construction. Yeah, it's up there with the best written rock songs, isn't it? I mean, mm. um, but you know, even the mix of the whole song, you know, it's. Uh, I was listening uh, to the end, you know, um, because there's a lot going on at the end. Um, mm. Slash soloing in the background, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Axel's going nuts, you know, but then all of a sudden, it's towards the very end where the solo actually kicks in and it just is pushed up that little bit more in the mix mm. and you just and it's like okay this is the actual going crazy time where axel can't even sing in this part because he has to go so crazy you know? <laughs> but i mean yeah. do you know what i mean it's just one of those things yeah. that it's just mm. like okay go absolutely mental slash is going for it <laughs> and go to the end of the song this way yeah, um, and, and it, awesome. It's, it's an, yeah. but it's amazing that you know a lot of this kind of progressive stuff can sort of get lost on most people, and it, mm. not necessarily off-putting, but it's not as interesting. This song manages to be catchy as hell, 
basically a pop song so that's almost seven minutes long and is also like a really good progressive rock and has amazing guitar solos in there you know it's just mm. jam-packed it has everything like, <laughs> yeah exactly it's got it all really it's got it's got it all. you know if mm. you don't care about anything else and you just want to sing along to the chorus it's got a great chorus take me down everybody knows it yeah absolutely andy welcome to the jungle for sure. I It was the first song, uh, the first Guns N' Roses song that I genuinely loved uh, before I'd uh, grown to appreciate them more in that live setting. Uh, I think it's a similar thing that uh, Ashton brought up in our Audio Slave episode, where when I was younger, I wanted the hardest, the fastest, the heaviest stuff. I was, I was into the metal, basically. And um, Welcome to the Jungle has that vibe without being, you know, without being as overtly, deliberately heavy as metal is. And it really, it really caught me all the way through the song. That opening is uh, so powerful with the uh, the guitar effect. And um, like you say, it sets up the rest of the album so perfectly. And now... Um, uh, I couldn't. I couldn't imagine what the album would be like if they'd mm. chosen a different opener, because mm. it it puts you in that mood, right? That's it. And then it has to be the it, opener. Yeah, it couldn't. Yeah, it couldn't yeah. ever be anything else. It's called Welcome to the Jungle. You don't say that. Yeah. In the middle. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, we've been here for a while. Are we in the jungle? So we've like already the arrived. And Webby. Yeah, it's like the Mitchell and Webb script. They... It's like, are we the baddies? <laughs> are we in the jungle? They... <laughs> They use it as an opener to gigs as well, don't they? Oh, yeah. yeah you, you open with that and then yeah. the crowd is yours for the rest yeah. of the show, you know? Exactly. And then bang on Paradise City as the last one just mm. to <laughs> put it all together. doesn't oh. matter what you do in the middle. You could play the same. Oh, music. I mean, three hours of just glorious, glorious um, <laughs> time. <laughs> as in? Well, mine was Night Train as well, uh, but Mar- Marcel stole it. Maybe I should think of another one, but that one, but then my other ones would be either Paradise City or <laughs> Welcome to the Jungle, so I've got to pick one of them. <laughs> my, my, my other option was Mr. Brownstone. That's a good mm. one as well. That I had on there. Yeah. Um, so if you want Welcome to the Jungle, I'll take No, Mr. it's all right. I'm going to go for my Night Train anyway, because I, I was, I yeah, was yeah, saying fair enough. Yeah. Um, for me, Night Train is the song that... Uh, even though it's uh, well, number three on the track listing, when I finish the album, that's the one I'm humming. Mm. For some reason, it's just yeah. the one that, that sticks with me, and I think that just my my sort of subconscious is telling me that's my favorite song. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't have to think too hard. No. It's it's Guns N' Roses. Yeah. You shouldn't be think, thinking too much about it. You should just feel <laughs> it. You know. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Great song. It's not in Night Train, which is, I just said, my favorite song. But I think my favorite moment in this album is in Sweet Child of Mine. Obviously, the guitar solo is amazing and everything. But there's a bit in the Where Do We Go Now section, which actually was there because the producer was like, oh, I, we need a bit here. And they were literally standing around going, well, where do we go from here? And then Axel just started going, where do we go now? <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> it became you see, a thing those in the are song. great moments. Exactly, yeah. and, they, and you have to have the bravery to just say that's going in the song. Like, who, you know, we're not going to think anymore about this. And the bit, my favorite bit in that, and I think it's my favorite moment in the entire album, is the now, 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 now. Yeah, that, that tri- bit is awesome. That's exactly yes. what I mean. Like the the, the triplet, like just yeah, exactly. all these different musical devices they use to get these feelings out. And that's mm. and maybe that's a good way of summing up the whole album, right? That it's such high quality music that is all in service of the feel when you listen to it. Mm. And I think that's why they're so. They have such a strong brand, I guess, strong image because everything they do kind of, kind of embodies that. 
I think that's what I found quite nerve-wracking, you know, coming to talk about Guns N' Roses. I mean, it's it's literally how they their music makes me feel. I, mm. I don't know how, like, I mean, I think you analyzed a lot of things really well, but I wouldn't know about necessarily about those intricacies about the guitars or um, some, like, progressions in the song. It's just, it's just the way... Um, they make me feel and it's amazing and it's um it really they really take you to a different world for those i don't know how long the album is let's say an hour um is that how long albums are yeah this one is what uh, about 54 minutes long 54 so it's on minutes, the longer yeah. side especially for a vinyl i think 40 minutes is usually the sort of given it's about 20 average. 22 minutes per side no yeah exactly so this one mm. is maybe a little bit longer than most mm. yeah of the contemporary so albums just, but it doesn't. It doesn't feel like it's it dragging feel out long at all. No. Yeah, it never drags. It never. That's, yeah, that's, what, that's even, one of the best things about it. It never. Some some albums, even that are shorter than that, can sometimes feel like they drag a bit. Mm, um, exactly. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. This one never. So yeah, like, I enjoy it, it that. finishes before you realize it, and it's already been like an hour. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, which I think it's uh, not every band can do, um, mm. not every yeah artist can do. Yeah, uh, uh, keeping you on your toes for a whole hour. I think exactly. Yeah. But it, it's like you're saying that you know you've you were slightly worried maybe coming on because of it's such a personal album in the feeling mm. that it gives you. But mm. for us, it's the same thing. We just have slightly more insight as to what they're doing with the music. That's yeah. the only. Yeah, difference. we have the same we're, feeling, and then we try yeah. and figure it out. I but see. It's, just because we theory. know that little bit more. I think yeah. for me, it was just always meant to be for them to be my favorite band because <laughs> uh, where I come from is uh, I'm from a town in a valley of roses, and um, uh. our biggest employer is a gun factory. So I'm literally from Guns N' Roses, really. <laughs> it was meant so to be. So it was just always meant to be. There was, yeah. I love that. <laughs> um. But yeah, it's all about the feeling. I mean, we, we last uh, the last episode we released, not necessarily recorded, was "Darkness on the Edge of Town" by Bruce Springsteen, and mm. like it's a whole different kind of kettle of fish. You can write entire books mm. about like the lyrical yeah. content and all that sort of stuff of of um, Springsteen's <laughs> work. And but it again it just starts from the feeling, and that's the most important thing. Yeah. Uh, without mm. that, nothing else matters. You know, and yeah. maybe there's bottom line is is every bit of music that you listen to. It's all yeah. about the feeling first, mm. isn't it? If you mm. don't feel it, then yeah. If you have to explain it, want to listen the, to it again? Exactly. If yeah. you have to explain it, it's not. It's not. It's like it's a bit like a joke, mm. right? Like if you have to explain it, then it, then it's not really working. It <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, a, lot, a lot of progressive stuff can end up in that sort of trap, mm. where it's like, oh, mm. but it's cool because of X, Y, Z, and you're like, well, that's impressive, mm. but I didn't like. Doesn't I make don't it, get it. I don't get it. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, that kind of goes on to you know. Um, because a lot of people say, you know, Slash is an, one of those overrated guitarists because he doesn't do all the technical stuff. And and yeah, if you put it that way, you know, he probably doesn't do all the sweeping and whatever, mm. you know, a lot of other guitarists can do. Um, but when you hear Slash, you know it's Slash. And really, yeah. that's what counts for me. You know, I love mm. Slash because... He's got his own style. He's got his sounds, you know. But um, when when you hear it, you know it's him. Yeah. And so, there's very few guitarists yeah. uh, that can do that. So I I think what I was saying earlier about Axel's voice being so um, such a signature and and sort of inimitable and 
and well yeah signature i think the same thing about slash he's also capable of mm. having the same kind of emotional intensity in his guitar playing yeah um even if his what he's doing isn't necessarily yeah it's not the super you know four finger tapping and and sweet picking and all this sort of stuff that that, mm. that, uh, that that for people who aren't otherwise guitarists, it just goes over their heads. And even me as a guitarist, it yeah. kind of goes over my head as well. I'm like, yeah, it's cool. I mean, I'm not saying it's not impressive. I'm I just, the same. You have to make it part of the it song. It just doesn't do anything for me. Yeah. You know, it doesn't do anything for me. Yeah, what, what's the point if it doesn't sound great? If it's not part to of the song. As a listener, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. And this is what Van Halen was good at. He was, he was able to make that kind of stuff part mm-hmm. of the song. So he was a bit better in this regard. But Slash, yeah, I mean, you listen to like the... Again, the sweet Child of Mine solo where it sort of kicks up into the sort of faster sections. It begins that with just like, it's just one huge bend and he's just going, and it's like one note. (laughs) But the, and like, and when I first learned to play it, I was amazed that it was one note. I'm like, how's that one note? It's like four bars long. And he's just sort of, he's just sort of bending it a little bit and sort of, and then he gets into the, you know, the rest of it. But it's just, um, if we, if we play, if we play, play it together, I'll show you what I mean. But like, Mm. it's just literally a note, but the amount of like, emotion is ringing out of it is it gets me every time whenever i listen to it Mm. that might be a good place for us to wrap up then uh is there anything uh that you would like to plug marcel Uh, is there something i'm meant to be plugging um yeah you can uh, i mean if people people haven't read the show notes then we're in the same band uh metal band called the heretic order that's right uh well yeah we got um pretty much finished album coming out sometime soon um kind of depending on when uh all this pandemic stuff finishes uh we really want to release it when it ends so we can tour it but um but yeah so we got a new the heretic order album coming out soon yay Mm, watch this space yeah (laughs) christiana um well um (laughs) um I don't have anything to necessarily plug, but um, continue to wash your hands and stay safe. As an NHS employee. As an NHS employee, (laughs) I would like to reiterate that this is still important. (laughs) Uh, As in? Uh, So we've been doing more of those covers. So this week we were, and Andy and I were doing our remote recording kind of sessions on our cover of Little Less Conversation by Elvis Presley. Which is okay. going to be fun. We've taken the song and made it automatic panicky. So oh, <laughs> excited nice. to hear it. Yeah. Looking forward to that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and also, we should have our long-awaited mailing list only EP ah, yeah. out by the time this is out as well. So if you haven't already signed up to our mailing list and got this EP, we're doing a nice in in-depth backstory and additional material for all of the songs because we want this to be a real. Uh, deep experience for for people deeper than just you know listening once and going oh yeah that was okay we want you to know yeah what. and it'll finally go out because yeah. I think in ev- at the end of every single one of our episodes <laughs> we've been like yeah we're working on this suit like and it's gonna be out it should be out yeah. by then <laughs> yeah, yeah. We've, we've we've set ourselves a deadline so <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, brilliant looking forward to that. Uh, brilliant well thank you so much uh, for joining us you two this has been a fascinating discussion and I know so much more about Guns N' Roses now than I did before which uh, fills me with joy to see how much joy they give you as well Mm. Um, so uh, thank you Marcel thank you Christiana that's okay go listen to the album again (laughs) yeah 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 we can we can go on for 
you know the yeah. whole day talking about this <laughs> and what they've been up to what they got up to while they were recording oh, and, uh, actually on saying that saying that one of those things i would have loved to have seen you know is footage of them recording oh yeah because mm. being in that room mm. when axel's doing these vocal lines or duff playing yeah. you know his uh little bass lines the solos that he's got um and then you know asian <laughs> slash that would have been something to uh to witness for sure yeah which of course a lot of people did witness apparently um because they used to have their entourage come in didn't they mm. again yeah. different times i know <laughs> just the thought of that many people in the same room together feels alien gosh nowadays. yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Does not sound right. <laughs> you don't yeah. need to be here, you should not be here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, thank you everyone. Uh please rate, uh review and subscribe wherever you are. Five stars would be beautiful for us and we will see you in our last episode of the series next week where as and I will be having a uh chat and reflection on Royal Blood. Um, who I think are the breakout uh, popular rock stars of the 2010s. So uh, we will see you then. Bye! I I would have been, you know, 11 or 12 or something like this and just sort of picking up guitar and seeing Mm. these things and and my my parents were sort of teenagers during the 80s and stuff so like my mom was was a fan as well as soon as i learned to play it my mom would be like play sweet child of mine I'm like, yeah. Sweet child. <laughs> 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 this, this the is why you have children <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um.